Hey, Ashley. Hey, Olivia. Welcome to Drunk the Book Club. A podcast for lonely drunk bookcasters. You sound so melancholy in there. <laughs> Sorry. I was actually trying to sound like, hey, girl. <laughs> like, chill. Apparently, I'm bad at that. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, shall we cheers? Let's cheers. My cup is actually empty now. Oh no! <laughs> happens, I guess, when we talk too much beforehand. I know. What are you drinking? Coffee. Boring. I know. <laughs> Me too. I know. Oh no, I did. I had about a sliver of rum left, and I tossed that in there. Do you? I can't even taste it, so I forgot about it. You are sassy. <laughs> <laughs> I had coffee, plain old coffee. Yeah. Because like, we didn't drink last time. No. What's so I was like, okay, let me just throw this in here <laughs> for something. <laughs> we need to make sure next time that we're, like, good and drunk. Yeah, well, we gotta stop doing morning. I know. I know. It's hard to be, like, drunk in the morning. Yeah. I am no longer a day drinker. Like, it's just too exhausting. I mean, I can day drink, but not normally at, like, 9 a.m. I'm so bad at it now. Like, uh-huh. I know that the trick is you have to keep on going. Like, you can't stop. Yeah. And my tolerance these days is just so low that if yeah. I don't stop, it's, <laughs> it's just like, we're, we're cruising for a really early. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> and then if I do stop, I'm like, all right, time to go take a nap, and I don't want to see anybody. Right, right. Introvert problems. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Anyways, so what did oh. we read this time? We read uh, Freedom is a Constant Struggle, Ferguson, Palestine, other found- and the Foundations of a Movement by Angela Davis. Yes. Um, do you want to do the, the summary this time? Yeah, so it's ten chapters, um, and some of them are interviews with... Frank Barat, I think that's how you say his last name, um, and some of them are speeches that she gave, and um, it kind of, I mean, I feel like the title basically summarizes the topics, but she talks a lot about the intersectionality of struggles all over the world, like linking, for instance, the struggle of protesters at Ferguson and um Palestinians who are currently being occupied and turned into immigrants in their homeland and uh, talking about, you know, connections, like there's number six, she explicitly talks about Asada, um, connections between like America's somewhat past um, struggles and current struggles. So yeah, I feel like Really, the main takeaway that I took away from... The main takeaway that I took away... The main (laughs) takeaway for me was the importance of recognizing that these struggles are all interconnected and that when you fight one, it has has effects on the fight elsewhere and that really rather than um, feeling like isolated to think about how all of these, these struggles are interconnected and also how the powers that be are also interconnected like that section on um gs4 mm-hmm. number four oh my god yeah was like super illuminating to me so i totally agree <clears throat> yeah yeah um good summary i feel like 
that the idea of intersectionality that you just mentioned and she brings up throughout the entire book um, or collection is really important. And I think that we are lucky coming from mills where intersectionality was always something that was kind of on our minds, but um, she took it to a level much bigger than what I'm used to thinking of as intersectionality um, in a way that really was eye-opening. You know, just each interview or speech, the number of different conflicts or issues that she mentioned in each one and how they were all connected was, you know, amazing. It was really great to see her always referencing numerous events mm-hmm. um, and, and as you were saying like intersectionality for her or you know in the way that she was talking about it is not just um, it's not isolated yes you know, taking in different countries and different people and different time frames and um, I think it showed a really important way to uh, continue looking at intersectionality in our world Yeah, I think, like, a lot of the time the conversation that I feel like I hear is about intersectionality on, for the personal, for the individual, like how um, one individual can be oppressed in multiple um, regards because of Mm -hmm. multiple identities or multiple aspects of their identity, or how you can talk about how a movement, a single movement, um, incorporates multiple um, aspects and has a complex identity as well. But the idea of taking it one step further, like you've talked about, which she does Mm -hmm. to not talk about the individual only, not talk about the movement only, but to talk about the interconnectedness of multiple movements. I agree. was Mm -hmm. a widening of the lens that I feel like I don't often hear as part of the conversation. Um, caveat, I'm definitely not as well versed or well read, um, or as educated as like I could be, but I definitely agree that I feel like she, in talking about intersectionality, took it to a broader lens. And actually, that reminds me of a quote that I was really interested in in the section about systemic change, number three, mm-hmm. on page 49. She talks about um, encouraging a sense of community. What did she say? Uh, I think that this is an era where we have to encourage the sense of community, particularly at a time when neoliberalism attempts to force people to think of themselves only in individual terms and not in collective terms. It is in collectivities that we find reservoirs of hope and optimism. And I feel like in, and I feel like she's constantly practicing that in these interviews and speeches by, as you pointed out, not just talking about one movement, but talking about these struggles from in multiple areas of the world you know, mm-hmm. let alone the country, the world, um, and connecting those struggles to one another and talking about how they're interconnected. And I feel like that is a really, a good practice in encouraging that sense of community. Because if you see yourself as a global community, if you see your struggle or your challenge or your movement as connected to other movements elsewhere, then it's, it's a, it paves the way for building that sense of community and feeling that your struggle affects the whole and that maybe you're moving towards positive change in a systemic way. Right. Yeah. I think there was one part 
I didn't mark it, unfortunately. Um, but in the interviews, which, by the way, I did not like that interviewer. <laughs> I thought he was condescending and kept cutting her off in ways that, like, didn't seem, like, conversational. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could, like, r- read it, too, that, like, she was getting a little bit of a tone when he would. Yeah, you know, side note, I'm always curious about, like, when I read an interview, I'm curious about, like, the structure it took when it actually happened. Like, was it, was it, like, oral? Was it text? And, like, how, how much it has been altered? But, yeah, I I was curious about that. Yeah, I thought he was, I I didn't like him. Anyways, (laughs) um, he phrased a question, he was either, like, what can we... It was about the struggle in Palestine. Mm-hmm. He either said, what can we teach them? Or, like, what can we learn from them? Or what can they teach us? Right. And she was like, well, I wouldn't phrase it that way. You know, we need to help each other and support each other. But this isn't like a, I'm teaching you this. Or, like, you're teaching me that. Right. Um, and I thought that that was really an important clarification as well. Yeah. That in order to bring apart this or bring together this like global um, uh, community of struggle and resistance, um, we need to support each other and lend out a hand and not look at it in like a, well, I succeeded here um, or you succeeded there. Like, let me show you the way. Right. Uh, and I liked I liked, I kind of kept that idea going as I was reading the rest of the interviews, and I think that's, like, a a common uh, thread for her in the way that she views um, various, you know, struggles. I agree. I'm trying to find that quote, but I remember reading that, too, and I can't find it, but I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. um, Her interviews were, I mean, sorry, her... um, Speeches were great, though. I know. I know. I, I'll i bet some of these are online. I should have... I When I was reading them, I wanted to hear her say them. Yeah. And I should have looked for them, and I didn't. But I feel like I still got a really good sense of of her... Of the power of her messages. Yeah. And I really appreciated them. Um, I feel like... In the reading of this book, I had to take it in chunks. Like, this mm-hmm. is not a book that I could read all the way through. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to put my finger on why that is. I feel like perhaps part of it has to do with the fact that the shit is heavy <laughs> and yeah. real. And at points to think about how how far versus how not far we've come um, since Angela Davis kind of, like, first was getting active, you know, since she was young. It's sort of depressing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I also feel like it was hard for me to move at a quick pace because I am not as conversant in all of these elements and all of these um, okay. all of these movements that she's talking about. In particular, my understanding of of the 
of the Palestine struggle of, of Palestinians being occupied by Israel is like super, super shallow. Um, and I think she brings up some really, really great points about how, like, for some reason, this is a blind spot for progressives. Um, and I, it has only been recently, like not very long before I started reading this, that I felt like I even understood what was going on. And it's really, it's really bizarre that that is like a, it, it is a blind spot for like, I don't know if it's just American, but I can speak to American progressives. Like you don't hear that many people talking about Palestine. You don't hear that many people talking about, um, about supporting Palestinians. And I know that we have like an intense lobby, like Zionist lobby here. And she mentions that, Mm -hmm. but it was, I, I feel I was, I was talking to Michael a little bit about this and we were talking about how, like, I think some of it has to do with the fear of having this conversation and sounding or being perceived as anti-Semitic. Right. Yeah. I was thinking about that a lot <clears throat> while reading this, too, because I don't... I started feeling, like, ashamed that I don't know this much, that much about these issues. Yeah. Um, and that I think that because back when I first started hearing about this, that was sort of the other, the other side of it where I was afraid that having a strong opinion in this does make you anti-Semitic. Um, but that's just a really, I think that was really ignorant of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was exactly what I was thinking the whole time I was reading this book. I was like, that's why I didn't get super invested in learning about this. But like, it's obviously a really serious, devastating issue that we all need to be knowledgeable about and you know trying to do something about and taking a stance on totally Um, yeah but it is shocking that it's not something that we really talk about um and it's a huge crisis totally yeah it's really really you know what this is gonna sound so shallow but like my like my first sort of not introduction but the first time I started thinking about Palestine critically was when I read some article, this was like years ago at this point. Um, and still like, I'm not patting myself on the back because it was years ago and I still didn't do very much like questioning or researching or anything. But I remember reading an article calling out Scarlett Johansson for being a SodaStream rep because SodaStream has a manufacturing plant in occupied Palestine or in you know, Israeli occupied Palestine. Um, and I remember reading that and I I don't remember how long ago this was. And I don't remember very, very much about it, but that was like the first conversation where I was like, wait, what's going on? Huh? Like, it was really, really interesting. Um, yeah. So when I was reading about her, her talking about how this isn't a conversation that she's hearing very many, um, people, who consider themselves activists even talking yeah. about, I, I could totally, I was, I was identifying with the, with what she was describing. I was like, that is, yeah. that has been my experience. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's ignorance. Yeah. Right. It, I mean, I guess to find the good in this, like I think that at least reading this has opened my eyes and made me want to be more involved and, <clears throat> 
you know, educate myself more yeah. about the situation because, yeah, until now, like, I, I knew that something was happening, but I never really took a stand on it. Yeah. And it was never part of my conversations. Totally. I, yeah. I agree. And that's part of that, like, I think going back to, like, that individual source, um, source of uh, inter- intersectionality, like, I just... Mm-hmm. It's a shame, but I kind of see things more locally. Right. And not in a global sense. Right. And, I mean, I think that, like, to a certain extent, there's value in that. Talking about, like, <clears throat> you know, what is that phrase? The the personal is political and, you know, local, local change being a catalyst and et cetera, et cetera. But... Yeah, I think that, like, balancing that with a more, um, more of a worldview is really yeah. valuable. Like, I think, I think it's fine and good to focus on local issues and local change, but also to look at the wider view, too. And I feel like this was a, this book was a really good reminder of that. I found the phrase, she, she credits Rebecca Vil, Vilcomerson. As talking about PEPs, progressives accept Palestine. And mm. I was like, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen that. I've experienced Yeah, totally. So you did cut out for a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I kind of heard you say something about progressives and then cut back in when you said PEPs. Oh, so progressives what were you saying Palestine? right before that? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I think I got the gist of it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was just like very robotic. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oops. Um, I think that my programming got messed up. You're seeing the bo- behind the mask, my true self, my true robot nature. <laughs> You're the robot. Uh, um, oh no. But- <laughs> progressives except Palestine. Yes. It's came back in. So I don't know exactly what you said before, but Oh, oh, just that she very comment. I thing. found the page. Yeah, I just found the page. I think that's all okay. I was saying. I found the page. It's on page forty two. <laughs> okay. Um, another thing that I was like I feel like there was a lot in this little little tiny volume, it's not very big, where I was like, Whew, oh my gosh. Um and the other one had to do with uh, the abolishment of of the not just like the prison industrial complex but the I concept think. of prisons and I was like whoa she's right like that has never crossed my mind like the idea of not having prisons yeah agreed um I I'd never thought about it, and even reading it, it was kind of hard for me to imagine what that would be like, Mm -hmm. um, because it's obviously something that we've just, like, grown up with. Right. Um, But what an interesting, you know, idea. (laughs) Is something happening? No. I I just like trying to... beeping, sorry. Oh, my window's open. Oh, okay. Sorry. (laughs) I was like, no, I'm just trying to think of my thoughts. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not trying to to hurry your thoughts. 
<laughs> um, I, I can't remember where she said this. I was trying to find it, but I can't find it. Where she talks about how the role... So, oh, here. It's at the beginning on page 24. Or someone at the beginning. They're talking about how prisons are big money-making businesses. And, like, prisons need to exist because all of these capitalist structures around them currently exist and can't succeed without those prisons. Um, But also, she talked about how we have this this way that we talk about people who are in prison by reducing them to a single identity, which is criminal. Um, And how that is not only not only something that is harmful for an individual but also harmful for for the for the the mass of society for the for the the greater combo of people because yep. it creates kind of an us and them situation right. um and it reinforces the system without allowing or asking of people to question um the structure in and of itself and i thought that was a really good point and i feel like when she when she talks about um, prison, what is it? Page twenty five. Prison serves as a place to warehouse people who represent major social problems. And later, she says it serves as an institution that consolidates the state's inability and refusal to address the most pressing social problems of this era. Um, talking about how there are so many issues, especially issues of racism and class, that just as as a society we don't grapple with for the Uh most part and that prison ends up being the place where that quote-unquote problem goes and if you think of people in prison as criminals full stop no other identity no other context then we don't question how that prison functions not only as a money-making venture but also as a sort of like shield for for social progress yeah um just the other day, and I didn't have much time to spend reading this article because I was at work, but something popped up on my Facebook, I think it was, that, again, I'll need to look it up and find There's a prison that is doing, um, like, daddy-daughter dances mm-hmm. and also, like, father-son basket- basketball games. Mm-hmm. Um, and their goal is to keep families together Mm -hmm. even when people are in prison um and like they have to take a parenting class but then as like a surprise you know their kids get to visit and they have like you know all these cool events which you know that doesn't get rid of the issue of prisons but I thought that it was an important idea to at least continue to keep these people Like, we're not just seeing them as prisoners. Like, we're seeing them as humans and fathers and family, you know, people. Um, And that an important part of, like, rehabilitation or whatever is to continue seeing people in prison as humans and keeping them as productive, successful parts of our, you know, society. Um, And how, yeah, like while that wasn't a fix for anything, I thought at least it was a really a good step because it allows you to still see these people as human. Right. And not just with, like, one title that very easily dehumanizes them. 
So, like, the the sharing of this this story via Facebook kind of becomes a conduit for somebody who reads it to think about the context of these, of the people who are in prison and their, like, larger lives. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and, you know, I guess just, yeah, until reading this book, I don't know, like, I definitely was aware of, like, the prison industrial complex but like I don't know if like we talked about I never really thought about life without prisons Mm -hmm. completely um and so even for me like reading that article and seeing that people are talking about you know ways to other ways to view people in prison was really important to me and I thought like you know it's good for people to to see that and start thinking of alternate ways of, mm-hmm. like, rehabilitation or whatever. Right. Uh, and then that's... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's it. I was just say the other aspect is, like, how, the ways that so many people end up in prison are so fucked um, in terms of, like, criminalizing very small acts or the ways that our justice system works in that very few people actually go to trial with a jury, yep. let alone a jury of their peers, and um, the idea that so many people end up in prisons because of a very deliberate and concerted um, structure that needs bodies, like literally needs bodies working because the products that they are making in prison are being sold to the American public. Right, um, And that's really scary. And we've talked in the past about being mindful about, like, our our, our purchases, like fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, when we read, what was that book? When we read... Uh, blah, blah, blah. Threadbare. Threadbare, yeah, when we read Threadbare. But I think we were, like, primarily talking about working conditions in, quote-unquote, third-world areas, right? Yeah. And something that... I don't remember if the book went into, but that I had been thinking about recently a lot is the ways that our our prison structure has created a basically free wage workforce that allows for us to have like uh, I guess subsidized um, products, yeah. and that's like horrifying. And that's not a conversation that I feel like I hear very often, um, and. So in talking about, like, being mindful about our our products and where we buy them from, I think one thing that I want to be super-duper mindful of and to probably just try to talk about more in, like, my personal relationships with people is the way that, like, prison labor um, subsidizes a lot of our cheap products, um, whether it's, like, food or, you know, when a... What was it? Was it Victoria's Secret had to, like stop using prison labor because it was found out like it's a very secretive sort of oh, thing like, really? made in america Oops. but it's like yeah made in america by people who are not being paid you know right. people who are imprisoned so that was going to be my question is like i totally agree how is this something though that we can figure out and trace back to you know like how how can we figure out what is being manufactured in prisons. That's a really great question. I wonder if it's like something a Google search can just um, let us know. I don't know. Products. The way that I search on Google is 
as if I think Google is a real person. Um, oh, like full questions? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I Well, because like... I think we grew up with Ask Jeeves. Oh, yeah. And That's you had true. to ask questions. <laughs> hmm. Okay, well, maybe this is something that we should spend time looking into, and then we can post it on our website or something. Yeah, that's a good idea. We find... Or listeners, if you are more well-versed, because we currently are utilizing our Masters of Google Studies um, (laughs) degrees, and, you know, it's not the most reliable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we'd be more than excited if you would pass along information. Yeah, you listener. You know I'm talking to you. You one (laughs) listener. You one listener. (laughs) But anyways, I don't know, like, the... What was your main takeaway from the book? Honestly, I think my main takeaway was that I need to be a lot more, what am I trying to say? I need to be better about researching issues globally. Mm-hmm. And I need to learn a lot more about the Palestinian, Israeli, you know, uh, conflict. Conflict, thank you. I was like what's the word I'm looking for Uh, conflict and that I look at things a little bit too closely sometimes or too close to me and my community Mm -hmm. yeah I think that like big takeaway definitely for me was interconnectedness like thinking about um, you know how people who are criminalized in the U.S have a similar situation as those who are criminalized in Palestine, like folks who are, you know, defined as illegal immigrants. Um, And, you know, people who are experiencing oppression in all parts of the world through the hands of, you know, corporations um, profiting off of them are all engaged in the same struggle and that the militarization of our police forces in even small towns. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to say, call out like Monterey has a SWAT team. Like why? Really? Yeah. You know, like just that, that's, that's affecting all of us everywhere. Um, there was one thing that she said, I'm like, I don't know. I have to try to temper, like, the negative with the positive, right? And she talked about how movements take time. And I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to keep that in mind when I read about how little change has occurred over time and trying to kind of keep in mind that it's fine that movements take time. And, God, where did it go? (laughs) Damn it. I hate it when I have, like, the perfect quote in mind and I can't find it because it's hard to find quotes. <laughs> I feel like I just looked for quote. Okay, so the point is, I remember so she said something about how movements take time and she was pointing out that, you know, like, change has to happen, not, excuse me, on an individual level, but it has to be, like, through collective community systemic change and that does take time and I feel like that is something that I need to remind myself when I start to feel like fuck everything nothing's changed and oh by the way like I 
I am not somebody who has been personally um, feeling the effects of, of much of this, you know? So, like, my, my like, frustration, hi, Vicky, my frustration is, like, kind of whatever in comparison right. to people who actually um, are living these struggles. Right. So, beyond that, I also have to just, like, remind myself that movements do take time and yep. that movements forward, steps forward, mm-hmm. are steps in the right direction. Right. But then and also... as long as there's any steps taking, yeah. being taken, like, it's a good thing. Yes. And, and, yeah, if you... If we let it get us down that we're not seeing immediate change, like, you shouldn't let that affect your behavior and you shouldn't let that deter you from continuing to totally. try to make progress. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Ugh. Yeah, that took that took too much for me to like put into <laughs> words. But the point is like this was really good and that I think that people yeah. should read it and um yeah. and it may not be an easy read, but it's an important read. But, again, because it's different interviews and speeches, like, you can just pick it up, read one, and put it down. Yeah. You can read, you know, other books in the meantime. Yeah. Yeah. Think but, of yeah. it as, like, your um, part of your daily action. Yeah. Reading a little bit. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Every morning, wake up, read one. Yes. Oh, and speaking of a daily action, have you and have you listeners used ResistBot yet? Oh my god. Look up ResistBot. Super duper easy. You like text this bot. Like remember Smarter Child from the yeah. AOL days? <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. I like described it as like Smarter Child for the Resistance. But um, you text, what, what number is it? Text uh, the word resist to 50409 and then it asks you for your name and your uh, zip code and then you send a message and it faxes oh. that message to your senators and your representative. So this is amazing. It's really, really easy. Like no excuses for not being able to like fax because I don't have a fax machine, but I can just literally text your yeah. child. <laughs> nice. This is amazing. I, I don't remember who shared that with me, but it's really cool and it's super easy. And if you just Google it, there's all this information. Yeah. So, there you go. There's your your Yay. action for today, folks. Listeners, is go check out Angela Davis's Freedom is a Constant Struggle. Read, like, part of the first section and resist bot. Ta-da! Yeah. <laughs> a lot of... What? <laughs> trying to say was yeah let's be productive let's be productive yes lots of productive (laughs) (laughs) oh my god okay yes let's be productive let's be productive (laughs) so what are we reading next olivia uh i closed the page oh here uh we're reading what it means when a man falls from the sky by leslie neka arima um, yeah. book of short stories. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So get Things on it, folks. 
Yeah. Um, so if people want to contact us, they can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, Gmail, all it, website. and our website. Yeah. Drunk of the book is our handle. Drunk the book.com, drunk of the book at Gmail, and then drunk of the book on those social meds places. Um, leave us a review. Uh-huh. Cause I don't think anybody's left us a review in a while. And no, just on, those people. Three. it's like literally the easiest. Dad, I'm talking to you. <laughs> yeah, Mom. <laughs> Seriously, talk about how wonderful we are. <laughs> um, yeah, we just have uh, two friends and a mystery person. I know, and I love that mystery person more than anybody else right now. <laughs> Agreed. Come on. Uh, shoot. I left my screen cracked open and flies just flew in. You're just having a lot of trouble with nature right now. I am. It's really difficult. Let's get reading!